This week's episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by Amazon Studios' The Big Sick. Based on the real-life courtship between Camille Nanjiani and Emily V. Gordon, The Big Sick tells the heartwarming and often hilarious story of Pakistan-born aspiring comedian Kumail, who connects with grad student Emily after one of his stand-up sets. However, what they thought would be a one-night stand blossoms into the real thing. Produced by Judd Apatow, Barry Mendel, and directed by Michael Showalter, the film stars Kumail Nanjiani, Zoe Kazan, Holly Hunter, and Ray Romano. The Big Sick has been named one of AFI's top 10 films of the year and nominated for six Critics' Choice nominations, including Best Picture and two SAG Awards for Best Ensemble. For your consideration in all categories, including Best Picture, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actress, Holly Hunter. The Big Sick is now streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Happy New Year and welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the Deputy Editor-in-Chief Critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our Editor-at-Large. And uh, we are back from vacation in one piece, me from the West Coast and Ann from south of the border. How was your time in Mexico, Ann? It was great. <laughs> you know, it was uh, my daughter and I, you know, she booked this sort of ambitious geographically proximate thing where everywhere we went there was a you know we went to Frida House then we went to lunch in the Coyacan we went to uh, <laughs> the Anthropology Museum and then there was another place and and you know we hit we managed to get reservations at a lot of really cool restaurants that were hard to get and because uh, she worked ahead of time and my Facebook uh, informants were really smart, and we all, and then we ran into people that we knew, uh, like uh, Dennis O'Connor from Roadside Attractions, you know, at the anthropology, you know, the uh, Templo Mayor ruins, you know. Hi, ruins though, right? Yeah, you they're all very cool. Movies, you know, it it's the best in the cool. world. It's like you spend your time watching new stuff to go look at something from the distant past is sometimes the best catharsis and that that temple mayor is just incredible up there you didn't happen to make it to the um cinematech did you no no we did not um the 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 frida slash trotsky uh day was really was really fun i have to say and going to the my favorite thing that isn't on everybody's um uh list of things to do was the uh crazy antique toy museum Mm. Which was wow. wild, you know, just I'm like sure. a like a like a Citizen Kane warehouse full of <laughs> <laughs> old toys, you know, old toys and things put in in into tableaus, you know, very odd things. I think anybody who makes movies would get an enormous kick out of it. It's the kind of place you could imagine Guillermo del Toro or Edgar Wright running around being very happy at as well. So uh, we're back. Uh, it's January. Um, we're the the uh, awards train is is back on track. And one of the awards uh, events was the New York Film Critics Circle, which you are the chair of this year. So you had to worry about that over your holiday. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I was, it was I was a little concerned about it because, like a lot of people, I've never put an award show together before and usually when you hear about these things there's a big team of people doing it. Ours is a little bit more DIY so there was a lot of coordinating and finding presenters and then people had to cancel or there were questions about different sorts of things and so I tried to get a lot of that done in advance but you know we since we announced the awards in early December right at the beginning of December 
that really gives us just a month to do all of this stuff and then to coordinate with all the different studios. But it was interesting. I was sort of dipping in and out of vacation mode to check in on things. Unfortunately, we created a position for a general manager who does all the seating charts. So Marshall Fine was doing that this year, and he was a great help in that respect. But, um, yeah, I really had no idea what to – I've been to the event many times, and it's interesting because unlike – you know, most award shows where you have an MC who might do this kind of thing for a living, it's usually the chair who hosts this thing. So, you know, it's a different kind of vibe. We try to go for a more casual kind of thing that's sort of celebrating both film criticism and movies at once um, and trying to make it kind of fun and loose. But uh, it was really interesting because I had no idea how it was going to go. There was a lot of sort of, you know, mad dash organizational stuff beforehand that uh, kind of got in the way of really thinking about how it might go, but then once we started, it really just kind of rolled along, which was really nice. I mean, it was the ceremony was about two and a half hours, a little bit longer, but we hit a lot of different things that we needed to hit in terms of the dedications we needed to do, the points we needed to make, and then the presenters. Obviously, there was one star to rule them all. And that Tiffany was Haddish. I mean, she hit the viral universe uh, last night and today. Yeah, Tiffany had. I mean, I could tell when I was, when I was watching that thing. I was like, "This thing is going to explode." And the cool thing about it is, this, among the many things that distinguish an award show like this from, say, the Globes or one of the other bigger productions, is that it's not on TV. We don't have any specific parameters except that we have to be out of the place by eleven. So if somebody wants to go long, you know, unless they're just kind of boring or annoying, in which case the crowd might boo them off the stage. We'll just let them go for it. And so it was Tiffany 18 it. minutes, right? Yeah, just about 18. But what was interesting about it was, and I was standing behind her with Malcolm Lee, the director of Girls Trip, who presented to her, and we kind of locked eyes. Like, he's, he's not comfortable in the surroundings. Like, he's never been an award show kind of a person. So we were sort of, you could tell we were, he was sort of thinking, like, it's just a problem. But I looked at the room, and I could tell it wasn't a problem because everybody was loving what she was doing. And she's been on tour. She had to reorganize her comedy schedule to do this. So she hasn't been, you know, doing a traditional awards campaign. And in some sense, that meant she was making up for missed time. You know, the coverage that she got out of this is like exactly what, you know, it's the best she could hope for. Will it help with her Oscar chances? I have no idea if that's actually a thing, but it's certainly, you know, inspiring a lot of wishful thinking as a result after, you know, not hearing about that for a while and the Golden Globe snub being a big part of that. Now, you so that, guys gave a foreign award to BPM, which was not shortlisted for the Oscar. And I've been sort of noticing a lot of Twitter commentary to the effect that, you know, there was some kind of, um, uh, you know, discrimination going on, you know, anti-gay well, or something like yeah. that. And I have to point out that... Um, um, in in the foreign uh, uh, short on the foreign shortlist are three movies that are yeah. you know LBG and you know who made the gay themed movies I mean you know who made this point to me last night was the presenter for BPM John Cameron Mitchell who doesn't see that that this would be some sort of reflection this came from some sort of reflection of uh, you know uh, homophobic element of the Academy and more that there are other maybe. Uh, more daring aspects of this movie, or the wound has to do with yeah. with, with uh, a gay a gay story, and and the obviously there's fantastic uh, woman as as well. 
Right. You know? And Fantastic Woman is, is, is a very beautiful, contained experience. The Wound is a more kind of traditional narrative. BPM is this very long, kind of epic in scope, very ambitious, but also kind of divides people. So that could be the more measured argument to be made there. In any case, it was nice that, you know, Robin Campillo came out, given that he doesn't have anything else coming up now on the awards campaign, this was sort of his last hurrah. So he was able to come out and do that. So that and Tiffany Haddish, it was kind of a nice, element of uh, a way of sort of distinguishing this award show from other things on the night. Another, another thing we were able to do was very last minute was make sure that we had some tribute to acknowledge the passing of Dan Talbot, the longtime head of Lincoln Plaza cinema. I mean, this happened last Friday and we were just starting to hear about it and very quickly realized the New York film critic circle, while it is about film critics and it's about the movies is also this prominent. It's a local event. community. Yeah. yeah, so so we just needed to figure out a way to do that. I did reach out to um, Dan's uh, widow, Toby, and I said, we're going to do something. And I said, it's a difficult time, but if you want to be there, you're welcome to it. And she did end up showing up, which is pretty remarkable when you consider how recent all of this is. Michael Barker from Sony Classics said some really wonderful things and offered many amazing anecdotes. So that was a really nice moment, as was the tribute to Molly Haskell, which was our way of sort of dealing uh, with the sexual harassment stories in the film industry through a more kind of constructive light by acknowledging one of our own who's dealt with issues of women in the movies over the decades. And she had a nice little bonding moment with Tiffany Haddish as well. So it they felt sat, like... She sat with uh, Toby Talbot, I thought. Right, she well. did. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we had many different generations represented. And at the end of the night, getting Lady Bird on stage and Greta Gerwig, who had just flown in that morning with Saoirse Ronan from Palm Springs... Uh, and and this, in spite of all the craziness of, of award season, was able to be very sincere and heartfelt in talking about her own connection to New York and cinephilia and film criticism. Well, this is really her town. Fun. This is her exactly. world. Yeah. It was a very uh, warm kind of homecoming vibe. Was Noah there, sense. too? Uh, he wasn't, actually. I, I don't know if that has something to do with the movie he's working on or anything like that. But she brought with her this guy, Chris Wells, who works at the Quad Cinema, who's an old friend of hers. So there, there were local connections all over the place in that respect. And Sean Baker gave a very nice speech. He was obviously very nervous. But Abel Ferrara, who was his favorite filmmaker of all time, flew himself in from Rome just to do this. And so there was a really nice kind of bonding moment between those two guys. Even there though was people some debate on Twitter as to whether Abel Ferrara was uh, straight or not. <laughs> well, but this happens all the time with the poor guy. I mean, Ferrara is this like, fascinating artist. You know, I think he, he had to get out of New York for a number of different reasons, and he seems to be in a better place as a result of that. But he still got, you know, he speaks his own language in a way, and he makes movies in his own kind of way. When he came up there, a lot of people didn't know what to expect, but he found his way to saying, basically, you know, no matter what the technique is behind Sean Baker's movies, you know, shooting them with an iPhone or whatever, that's not what makes them good. It's the heart, the emotion, that, that element. And it was really interesting, because I think that's true for, for artist films. When you think about them, they, they can be kind of dark and disturbing in certain ways, but there's always an undercurrent of emotion that, that makes them kind of stand out from the crowd. So that was a really interesting kind of, uh, you know, finding the connective tissue there. Edward Norton gave a very nice tribute to Willem Dafoe. So there were a lot of the people who we've been hearing and talking about over the last couple of months were out there in, in a very kind of, you know, comfortable environment. So hopefully um, they got something out of it in the midst of a gazillion different things that are going on. I mean, nobody gets a chance to rest easy at the start of the year. The ballots no. are... In a week, so the so. guilds, the guilds have started to fall in, and I always read 
the tea leaves on the guild nominations very carefully because there's a lot to learn. And uh, one thing that's going on is that there is some question as to uh, how the post and the late breaking uh, phantom thread may have hurt themselves by coming out so late. So with that caveat, um, I will say that it was surprising that uh, the post um, got left off of the Writers Guild um, right. nominations. That that was a bit of a surprise. Well, I mean, but is that do you think that's merely a timing thing, or there could there be other things at play? Like it's a very competitive year with some really well liked screenplays yeah, out there. That's true. So you you can you can look at Get Out and Lady Bird and The Shape of Water as three movies in general across the board that are looking really good and strong, and there's nothing to worry about for any of them, then you can see something like The Big Sick got in, which is great, which I was happy to, to see. But you also know that there are ineligible movies that didn't get in that would ordinarily get in, like Three Billboards and Darkest Hour and, and Coco, you know, which are just WGA things that aren't signatories. Animation doesn't, you know, get in there. So, but I, Tanya got in. Now you could look at I, Tanya as something that well, that's just because there was an extra slot or something like that. But then you notice that I, Tanya, showed up um, on the Editors Guild uh, as well. So, so you know, these these are these are things you don't want to completely ignore. That the, the, it well, looks like neon. it looks like both Molly's Game and I, Tanya are showing up. They're they're doing well. well it's know? also interesting because it's like okay, so Lady Bird has a twenty four behind it, and they know what they're doing. Shape of Water has Fox Searchlight. Ditto. Get Out is almost like carried on the on the uh, on the waves of its success and the enthusiasm, irrespective of whether the studio knows what they're well, they doing. They do. It's universal. But, they know what yeah, they're but doing. That, that, but it's a different kind of scale. Whereas something like Italia, I mean, that's like that's a new neon, company, right? It, so it, it is they surprising. They a very aggressive buy, and they, yeah. they're pushing it. I mean, yeah. they're no, they're doing active. well. They're doing, so, but it's a popular movie. It, it obviously yeah, people plays. People like it. So yeah. Phantom Thread didn't get in either place with with either the uh, the writers or or the uh, art directors. You'd think it would have been a period movie that you know they have fifteen that is absurd. slots. Wow. They have five for peri for period, five for fantasy, five for contemporary, and it still didn't get in. So I feel like this is like a perfect. To, but maybe I mean, they didn't see it. You know, maybe just, it, was it seems too late. to me. Like, this is a perfect illustration of why Paul Thomas Anderson always seems to be thumbing his nose at this industry and doing things his own way. And, you know, okay, so the studio forces him to finish a movie by a certain point in time. But, you know, if you play this game and it, let, and you get, it gets to your head that you want to get all these nominations and then stuff like doesn't connect. I mean, it's a real injustice that this movie doesn't have an art direction award. It's... It's all about art direction. That's the soul. We'll wait and movie. see what the Academy ends up doing. I mean, I, I have to assume that, that they will that they will take it seriously. But it, I mean, the critics love it. That's not the issue. One of the best pictures of the year in the ad on our own website on over sixty top ten lists. You know, yeah, <laughs> critics are our over. own. You know, so I mean, it's like, there it is. But it doesn't mean that that it, that all the people in the art directors guild you know saw it in in time. Yeah, you know? right. and then the other the other odd uh, thing that was left out of um, the editing guild was was Call Me by Your Name, which just doesn't make any sense given how popular it is. Uh, you know, maybe it's just a small little movie that isn't going to, you know, have the bells and whistles of of you know something else uh, bigger like Dunkirk. But I, I still found that to be sort of odd. 
Well, what is remarkable about the edit? I'm not, I'm not knocking it, but if you think about it, if you look at the, the kind of the, the films that are at the top of this list, you know, it's a, there's obviously the editing in Dunkirk is a big part of the experience of that movie, given the timelines no, and all that, could that stuff. Win that award. You know, yeah. Well, with Shape of Water, it's like a similar kind of a thing, just in terms of the different kind of sequences in the or Blade movie. Blade Runner 2049, yeah. that's another ca- thing. Call Me By Your Name, it's like it's more of like glacially paced and so forth. It's more invisible editing to some degree, I think, and maybe the editors that's it's irrelevant. It's not flashing. It's, it's, Even yeah. I, Tanya, which got an editing award, which is a surprise, uh, and Molly's Game, these two uh, were surprise entries as editing. Well, I, Tanya uh, is interesting because it is in terms flashy. of editing. There's a lot of flashy, going, yeah. So. Yeah, so, so, but it is interesting. It, it, it opens up a lot of interesting questions, but I would agree with you. It's got to be Dunkirk. Is, but is if the you're looking at Best Picture, for example, at the, the, the editors especially really line up. And so All the Money in the World, The Big Sick, Darkest Hour, The Florida Project, Logan, Mudbound, Phantom Thread, War for the Planet of the Apes, Wonder Woman, and Call Me By Your Name did not make it to, you know, the 10 Ace Eddie Award nominations. So. Yeah, none of those blockbusters you thought might sneak in. It's kind of interesting in that respect because we've been talking about them for a long time, especially Logan, which seemed like it was there was a lot of love for that pretty early on, but a lot of different movies competing too. So So they had 10 because they had drama and comedy, you know. So so that's what but anyway, that's that's where we are with 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 the guilds and we shall see uh, as more of them drop over the next couple of weeks. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's worth noting, again, I mean, what we're really seeing here is sort of the Academy sensibility to some degree in piecemeal, right? Because the majority of these voters are also voting for the Oscars. So the question is how much of that is a real representation of the way the vote will go, given that, like you said, there are still people who have things to watch and there's still another week to go. You know, how much can these things actually impact the race or can they be very misleading given that, you know, people's opinions change. A guild member who votes a certain way right now may vote for the Oscars a different way, right? I mean, we have to take that into consideration as well. I don't know. Not so much because you're, you know, if you're nominating who's going to be, if you're in the editor's guild and then you're also a member of the editor's branch of the academy and you're nominating who's going to be in contention for, you know, five slots, it's it's you're going to pick five slots that are probably among the nominations that you picked for for the guild awards. I don't right. know. I don't, you know. Anyway, it's a, it's a smaller number is the main is the main thing. So we're heading into uh, other things like the Golden Globes this weekend, uh, which is a whole other thing which has some influence. It is again it, my argument with the with the. Um, Golden Globes is that they're not the same as the Oscars at all. It's a small little idiosyncratic group of 90 people who make friends with, with the talent over, you know, many years. So it's not the same. But it has, you know, again, winning momentum, you know, helps. And if The Shape of Water led the nominations with seven, followed by The Post at three billboards, then, and if they, you know, they're going to all win something, and I think, and Lady Bird is the comedy front runner and is likely to win quite a few things. So that's what's going to happen over there, I think. So where does that leave something like Get Out? I mean, that's sort of an Get interesting... Out is competing with, in this situation, Lady Bird. And so right. I have to give Lady Bird the edge. Give it the edge. Partly because of Greta Gerwig. Of you know. That's true. Now, I mean, I, she... on the other hand, I would suggest to you that Get Out 
is starting to shape up to be, assuming everything continues to go well and it gets Director Guild nominations. That's the big next step for that movie to see if it's strong enough to get a Director's Guild nomination. Get Out is looking like the, the, the movie that ticks all the boxes heading into Best Picture. It could be a very strong Best Picture contender. And it could get a lot of nominations. I mean, it sounds like there's a strong campaign for Daniel Kaluuya now. I mean, when the when we first started talking about awards potential well, for this SAG movie. Well, SAG came through, yeah. Yeah, we, didn't, we weren't talking about it. That seems to be continually building up. There was a big New York Times story about him the other day, and he got an award from Palm Springs and things like that. So, no, you know, he's well. getting nominated. I, I, you know, I don't know. I... I I I would I would almost say this is so weird to con- consider, but but Tom Hanks is sort of vying for a slot with Daniel Kaluuya, you know, which is sort of interesting. Um, uh, Tom Hanks, know. I like Tom Hanks, but come on, no, man. It's, it's, a, it's a that's the yeah. So that's a weak category. Remember the uh, best actor category. So there's room for weak with some talent. <laughs> absolutely, no, it's Daniel. It's 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 going to be Gary Oldman versus. Um, Chalamet. Miss Timothy Chalamet. Who was also great last night. Yeah. He, I mean, he made a great reference. He said he said something like that he found uh, to Tiffany Haddish in the audience. He said, you're into grapefruits, I'm into peaches. I saw and that. It's like the fifth <laughs> peach joke I've heard him make this season. He has this great kind of way of like making these jokes while still coming in across as this very serious, talented young actor. That's, I mean, it's just, you feel like it's just like really hard to beat. Like, how do you put him on stage, working the room, and then you put like a Gary Oldman next to him, and it's like, yeah, it's okay. I just started watching The Crown, and I'm thinking what John Lithgow did is about as good as what Gary Oldman is doing. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily knocking the performance, but I, I feel like perhaps it's harder to make it stand out when you have somebody like Chalamet who's just so obviously this yeah, remarkable. but he's a young guy who's just hitting big and getting nominated is a big deal. I think there is um, this will be an interesting test of the of the new members, you know, the new voters. Uh, you know, whether they're the fact that there are more younger voters could make a difference in sending Chalamet over the top. But I'm I'm just assuming that Darkest Hour does have support through categories, and I think this is just going to be the thing that it, the one thing that it that it wins. Um, because, because Gary Oldman is very popular. He's a, he's a real actor's actor. Um, so you're still betting on him. I am. I am. I think Chalamet's the spoiler. Uh, yeah. and then, um, and, and then at the, also, I mean, just for this Golden Globes, this is an older group there. I mean, when you talk about the Oscars, that's a different question with the Golden Globes. They're definitely an older group. Uh, you know, they've been around a long time. The Golden Globes group to me sounds almost like a, a contradiction in terms because we never see them. We I do mean, in LA all the I time. Mean, but, but it's but the, the they're everywhere. The world at large, <laughs> it's sort of like they're almost like an intangible idea. You know, it's like I, I love that moment when uh, Wes Anderson won uh, screenplay for Grand Budapest and he read all these names and, you, and the reaction by most people was like. Who are these people? I mean, what is this? What What are we watching right now? You know, it's if just you, so. If you knew who they were, you would be even more <laughs> mortified. You're, you're, no, it's a group like any other group. There's some of them that are honorable, you know, respected, uh, you know, stalwart members of their profession, and then there are others who've just been, a, you know, hacking away to 
too long. You know. Right. Uh, I guess then, you could say that's true for any number yes, of voting bodies. I'm so. afraid it is. Then you have, you know, I would imagine Francis McDormand will win, you know, and, and maybe Sally Hawkins. It's hard. It, that's a close race. I'm sort of, you know, this is an, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting group. one because neither of those people love to campaign either. But that's true. Yes, and then there's you have a lot James love. Franco versus Daniel Kaluuya uh, for for, but I think it's pretty much James Franco by a mile in the comedy category for the disaster yeah, artist. And then uh, Sir Sharonin versus, believe it or not, Judy Dench. For, uh, yeah. Talk for about musical. a generational clash. <laughs> yeah, but they—they, they, you know, she's been not Dench has been nominated twelve times, including she's three like for the Meryl Streep of the Globes. <laughs> yeah, you know, and they love her, and she's great, you know, in the movie. So um, it's it's possible, but I I suspect it's Sir Sharon. I think Lady Bird's going to do really well and win a few different things, and I think uh, you know Willem Dafoe will get in there um, and maybe Sam Rockwell, but I think it's Dafoe for some reason for this group. Um, which is good. Yes. Which is great. Yeah. About time. And then uh, I'm thinking that Alice and Janney could take this from uh, uh, Laurie Metcalf in this particular case because she's been nominated right. for so many roles on the TV there's side. Definitely, there's so much goodwill for Alice and Janney. Yeah. I mean, she's going to win something. It's, it, this should be a no-brainer. If she doesn't win something, then the Oscar odds must, that must say, I mean, not that they're the same voters, but it's just sort of, that would seem very out of sync. This would be, this would be a good one for her to, it's going to be the two of them duking it out at SAG, duking it out here, duking it out at the Oscars, the same, you know, just across the board, it's going to be between the two of them. If someone else wins, it'll be a big surprise. I will say that. And then I think Guillermo might get director from, from the Globes, uh, unless they go ahead with, uh, Steven Spielberg. Um, yeah, so. I would. I would. I mean, I feel like you know, with Guillermo, it's like one of those things where his his campaigning abilities dwarf everybody else in this game. He's just like charming. People adore him. <laughs> and he's been in like more countries than this world can even contain over the last few weeks, and still. And seems, they are a foreign group, right. you know. They're they're going to go with him, I think. And then, uh, and then for screenplay, it's got to be Greta Gerwig. Uh, it just has to be, um, and then uh, and then you have all those other sort of tech categories. I'll be curious to see if Johnny Greenwood can beat Alexandra Desplat. <laughs> you know? I mean, I love that. That's like so much more interesting than everything we've been talking about. That sounds like the same conversation over and over again. You know, it's like Johnny Greenwood, man, and, and Alexandra Desplat is like, yeah. around. Yeah, you know? and then Co cool Coco I will probably win unless they go ahead and go. Give something to Mary J. Blige. I could see them going with Mary J. Blige. I could see them going with Angelina Jolie in the foreign category for, uh, you know, um, the uh, first they killed my father, which has been overlooked everywhere else. So it would be an it would be an opportunity for the foreign press to give Angelina a solid, you know. Right. Well, it happened with um, Paul Verhoeven and Elle when that right. film make the short list either and he actually mentioned that in his speech when he won so it's it, it could be that sort of a thing the narrative works in her favor in that respect so I'm that'd sure be fine Coco with will win and i'm sure uh i'm sure um that that they will come through for for uh for for that but fantastic woman could win too you know which they could, would be awesome yeah i'm so, pulling for it uh, it's it's all good so before we call it a day, I thought it would be fun to just offer a couple of movies that we're looking forward to this year. The 
you know, Sundance Film Festival's right around the corner, and that changes everything because we see a, too many movies to count in a very short period of time, and all of a sudden we just have a very different vision for the year. But it is kind of interesting just to get things started, to look at the release counter and say, those things are definitely worth anticipating and see how that goes. So what are you looking forward to seeing, in? Well, one of my films is going to be at Sundance, and I just have this, um, I'm just anticipating really eagerly Tamara Jen Jenkins' um, next movie, you know, or Tamara, however you say her name. Um, it's called Private Life, and it stars Katherine Hahn and Paul Giamatti, and uh, I just, I think she's a really good filmmaker, and you often have to wait a few years between movies, because she writes, she directs, she you know, puts it together. So that's one I'm looking forward to. And then the other one, um, which uh, isn't at Sundance, which debuted in Berlin a year ago, almost, uh, is Sally Potter's The Party, which uh, Roadside Attractions is bringing out, which I cannot wait to see. And both very interesting. Tamara Jenkins, it's been way too long since the Savages, so... You know, and she's a talented writer, so that that's definitely one that's high on my list for Sundance. Uh, the movies that I can't wait to see uh, exist in a totally different universe altogether. There's finally another Harmony Korine movie. Oh, God. <laughs> following up with Smooth <laughs> Breakers. I know you're a big fan of that guy. <laughs> and, uh, it's called The Beach Bum. It stars Matthew McConaughey as uh, a sort of nomadic poet. There's some photos out there of Matthew McConaughey yeah, in that movie that made me want to run for the hills. Oh my God, I can't wait. But you got to remember, McConaughey, there was a whole McConaughey thing and he drifted away from comedies and uh, then had some rough spots. So he's coming back to them in a, or a totally different kind of context and working with a more of an artier experimental filmmaker. So maybe that's just what he needs to reconcile the two different stages of his career. That's all I'm going to say about that. I think it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, we have to keep our options open here. Even if you didn't like Spring Breakers, there might be something kind of cool worth seeing here. I mean, Benoit Debbie, who shot Spring Breakers, also shot this one. So you can expect at least something really beautiful to, to anticipate there. And then there's this horror film from A24 called Slice, which stars Chance the Rapper. And I don't know too much about it because it's been sort of the secretive project for a long time. It's the first time filmmaker who's done some chance videos but if you look up the trailer that a24 put out there which is teeny little tidbits from the movie and something about the way it's being positioned as a kind of horror comedy in the wake of get out it just feels like there could be enough enthusiasm for a, a certain kind of crowd-pleasing genre movie that uh you know maybe uh is also just really uh you know more substantial than people expect that could wind up really blowing people away. So that one, I, it's just one of those things where I was like, fingers crossed. I have a hunch. I, yeah, I have a hunch. So next week, we will basically get a chance to deconstruct the Golden Globes, and then the deadline for Oscar ballots will finally be arriving, so we'll have one last chance to kind of think things through and see where things are at in that respect. So uh, have a good weekend, Anne, and... Uh, Hopefully, we'll have some fun on Sunday watching the Globes. I'll be there. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye, <laughs> I'll bye, be Eric. looking for you. Bye. Bye.